This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind and Soul Healing Conversations. Mental health is not only a part of overall health, it's the most important part. Valeria interviews Dr. Sean Sullivan. He is the author of Be Your Purpose, 10 Steps to the Life You Were Born to Live, and The Mind Master's Silent Journey, a 21-day roadmap to becoming expert in your chosen life. Dr. Sean Sullivan is a licensed clinical psychologist and founder and CEO of One Perfect, an enterprise mental health and wellness platform that delivers personalized mindset-shifting experiences called shifts. Dr. Sullivan began his formal psychology education at Harvard University and completed it with a psychology residency at the University of Texas Health Sciences Center and postdoctoral training based at the University of California, San Francisco, UCSF. He has since been featured extensively in national and international publications including the New York Times, Forbes, and Huffington Post, to name a few. Dr. Sullivan's clinical research focuses on applying technology to improve mental health, particularly by teaching anyone how to shift their state of mind on demand. As a psychotherapist for over 20 years, he also wrote popular psychology books and articles and created countless digital mental health, wellness, and peak performance psychology courses, apps, tools, and virtual reality VR treatments. Based on researching the impact of teaching his patients how to strategically shift their state of mind in a few minutes any time, i.e. shifting, Dr. Sullivan developed Shift Therapy TM to guide anyone through shifting into a better state of mind from their smartphone in under 10 minutes any time. Demonstrating a major endorsement for shifting, the Regents of University of California approved piloting shifts at University of California, Santa Cruz, UCSC, during the pandemic. After two years of successful pilots, UCSC's health center subscribed their entire 20,000 plus member community to receive shifts in 2023. Dr. Sullivan believes teaching shifting is the best way to address the massive U.S. and worldwide mental health and unhappiness crisis we currently face. Meet Dr. Sean at OnePerfectShift.com. Here's the interview with Dr. Sean Sullivan. In your own words, who is Sean? Who is Sean? Okay. <laughs> well, why don't I, I come from, what a great question. Why don't I come from backwards a little bit and move forwards? I actually had the opportunity to think about this a little bit because I was asked a similar question for an article and it really makes you reflect, you know, how did you grow up was the question. And I think that really ties into who you become. So for me, I'm now a clinical psychologist, but when I was growing up, I grew up into a family. My dad was a professional tennis player. And so that was a big part of my life and getting trained by my dad as my coach, as a tennis player and learning about you know, how do you prepare to perform? How do you, how do you plan to do your best? How do you set your intentions? Those all became a big part of who I became. And, um, you know, just reflecting on, on that question that I answered in that article, I was led by thinking about that history to realizing, you know, how connected it was to a really difficult emotional experience that I had in college which is just a really hard breakup. You know, so many of us go through, I had a three-year love relationship, broke up, and I found myself really 
unprepared, without the skills to heal from that. And um, that led me more deeply into psychology over the years. And the discovery for me, the real deep insight on the level of how do you cope with life, no matter what it is, whether it's trying to prepare for work or for performance in a sport or to recover from a trauma of sorts, was the idea that change is really um, the same, whether you're trying to shift into preparing to perform or you're shifting yourself back from a very difficult life event. And it was that insight that I, I had say I learned during my training in psychology that led me to realize, wow, this is really one thing that we're dealing with here. This is a matter of learning how to bring yourself into presence in any moment. And when you bring yourself into presence, and learn to listen to life and feel it flowing through you into the world, you deepen that connection with that insight. And I found the more connected I am with that, the more I feel like me, <laughs> to come back to your question in a way. So the who are you, I think when I'm most me, I'm listening. I'm listening with all, but you know, I came to learn First of listening through the ears, <laughs> I learned that from the training, but then also uh, playing guitar taught me that. I realized I learned late, you know, in, uh, in my 20s, and I learned, oh, you really have to listen. And then I found, oh, you can listen with your body. You can listen with your eyes. You can just feel life that is listening also. And so I came to, I came to see me, I guess, as, as a listening, listening being. That is uh, 30 trillion buzzing cells mm -hmm. buzzing into life each moment. That's beautiful, though. What a beautiful description of what a human being can be <laughs> or is, right? That's interesting to notice that it has been said before that most part of communication, the majority of part of communication is listening. It's a huge percentage of communicating, relating to others and to life itself. So much, it's isn't true. it? And yeah. it's not obvious unless you think about it a little bit. The idea that, um, well, let's take an example, even just taking a little extra pause to really hear someone changes the relationship. It changes the experience. And that to me is such an interesting idea about how silence or, you know, in the listening that occurs within silence is having a huge impact on your experience, on your relationships, and then, of course, to what comes back to you. Mm, yes, so true. The pause, the silence. And also, from my experience, it has been not assuming that I know what is in front of me. I could being open and curious about, oh, what is this? <laughs> Even when yeah. I'm talking to my husband about anything, any subject, I look at him and, hmm. Oh, what an interesting thing. This is a human being. <laughs> I just hear my own thoughts kind of uh, expanding <laughs> that experience. So I'm yeah. not just expecting to hear, you know, whatever it is from him that's already in my mind. <laughs> that you've heard for all these years. Yeah, yes, this, this right. holding on to this idea that, you know, we're communicating with another living miracle. <laughs> it's such a helpful reminder, especially with the people that we think we know really well, right? Yes, especially. It's a, it's a great exercise, actually. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier, I couldn't help but become curious about that, suffering when it started from for you with the breakup and yeah. um, uh, emotional suffering. I'd like to ask you this open question. What do you feel causes the most suffering in human beings? Why do we suffer, generally speaking? So I think maybe for me, it, there are two, two kind of broad answers. I think one is the historical, you know, how we evolutionary came into being, being needing to be very aware of dangers in the environment. And that helps us to over index on noticing the dangers and having that fear response being really primary. I think that's built into, to our biology. Um, and then maybe this is related, but I think it's, you know, it's also can be thought of as different is just that the uncertainty that, that living presents us with in every single moment is probably a triggering event for that 
stress that's built into us. So since we don't know the future and, and we're built to answer the question of, you know, what's next, that's anxiety producing for a lot of us. And so just as sort of a template for why we're prepared to end up with a lot of suffering in our lives, I think those two pieces are, are important. And then, of course, you know, the history of life that you go through for all of us has a big impact on the way that we process life. And that might be habits of processing in a way that is a suffering infused or it might be um, a free way, a fearless way of living. And I think, you know, you, that hopefully is part of each of our journeys through life is to move from one to the other. So true. And that um, bring me to the topic of shifting one's mm. perspective, shifting our minds. That is the, the work that you're doing now. This is new, right, Sean? I actually didn't ask the question before about one perfect. Is that something that you have created recently? Yes, yes. So um, I have, I mentioned before, I'm a clinical psychologist and I've been in that world for 20 years or so. And I did all of my early research and practice on how to apply technology to psychology. And so through that background of experience, creating lots of courses and apps and online things and seeing what worked with patients and what didn't work, I started a company four years ago based on this singular concept of shifting. And the concept for the company, the intention for the company is to teach people how to be able to shift into a better state of mind in five minutes anytime. It really, all of this is not new in the sense that it relies on the, you know, the history of awareness um, all of these presence practices that I'm sure that you're, you and your audience are really familiar with. So this is a kind of presence practice, but it's a practice with a very specific intention. The idea being that, you know, during the course of your day, you encounter a stress or you are overwhelmed or you can't sleep or you're lonely or you have a meeting coming up that you want to prepare for. You say, I want to take five minutes and very intentionally shift into the best state of mind for the next thing for my day. And so that's a little bit different than how we think about meditation traditionally or how we think about mindfulness. But it's a very, it, to me, a very practical way to use what we know works scientifically and what we know from the presence practices that has particularly long-term effects if you repeatedly practice. Mm, yes. And that makes me think about practicing, the practice of shifting. It's similar to practicing almost anything, the, the habits we have of overthinking. It's just mm. kind of, in a way, perpetuating that habit of thinking about one thing that causes so much stress and then, of course, leads to deep suffering. And I have yes. seen that, so many people with the... And myself included, of course, before years back, yeah, overthinking. That's so dangerous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, all of these presence practices to me share the quality of teaching this idea that we can observe that content that's flowing through us in our inner world, whether it's repetitive thoughts or the feelings that are associated with them. And it is through repetitively doing that we shift a bit naturally especially if you have, I think, some container for that experience, some trajectory to learning in a way that's helpful. With that, Sean, I have um, a question about, from my own experience, even recently, I have noticed that sometimes a feeling, an emotion, or thought, it's quite persistent and it doesn't want to shift in a way. It doesn't yeah. go away. So would you say in that case, in this case specifically, it's because it carries a message. It's trying to propel us into action, into doing something about what is being presented. Yeah, I think that there probably are you know, a range of things you could attribute to why that might be happening to me. The idea that it can be something that is preventing you from living in a way that's maybe scary also is another idea. Sometimes we have these repetitive thoughts because we can't let go of something. And if we let go of that thing, then we perceive a whole new life would open up and that might be scary in a different way. 
And so those patterns can get so persistent when we repeat them over and over, not just, you know, the obvious way that a habit persists, but we now know from the brain science that if you repeat something over and over, the brain network that's producing that sequence of thoughts is strengthening, it's thickening, it's recruiting more brain cells towards it. And so there's, you know, um, that's another reason, right? A biological reason why it becomes harder over time. And it's another reason why these kinds of practices are really important to put into your life, especially if you're having, you know, those kinds of, it's not just that, right? It's a repetitive sadness or a loneliness, but it's hard to pinpoint the historical reasons why. And I also think that it's probably in most cases, a combination of those things. Yeah, he makes a lot of sense to me. Of course, it has a uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. That's a great. <laughs> oh, that's analogy, what I, yeah. I heard about that the other day. So that might be the case very much with addiction, um, addiction mm. patterns. I know you have a shift, many of them um, on your website, wonderfully mm-hmm. outlined. You have uh, shift when life is difficult, yeah. shift to full presence, and then shift into confidence, inner peace, and then shift addiction. So yeah. my question about addiction is, is that possible to shift the mental content to the mind without changing the body itself, the, the biology? Because some addictions are connected to the cells, to the body. Yes, 100%. So it's an interesting question. I had, um, I mean, I think that the answer is, <laughs> I yeah. can't remember how you phrased it, but no, probably huh. they all have to happen huh. together. Right. Yes. I had a really interesting discussion with an old colleague recently, and, um, he's a kind of psychologist who focuses on the behavioral activation, they call it. So it's like, you need to actually make a change. And then that change that you make, for example, you know, you want to start running again because you've gotten in the habit, the addictive, addictive habit of not exercising, yeah. let's say. And so you, it, for him, in order to make that change, it's just important to get started. Whereas for another kind of, therapist, let's say they might say, oh, change your thoughts about it. And that's going to lead to the change. And so I think that distinction speaks a little bit to that question about is an addiction a physical thing? Is it a physiological thing that needs to be changed just by action? Um, Locking yourself away from the substance, for example, might be an action in that case. Or is it really the thoughts and the whole history that led to those thoughts that needs to be addressed? And in, and there's a lot more to that question, right? But I think, you know, those two things together are both essential. And I remember, you know, actually when I was drafting that, the, I think it's called shift addiction. It's a very tricky topic to write about, partly because, you know, what any particular individual considers an addiction versus not is its own thing. And then, you know, really the idea of shifting addiction in five minutes is a little absurd, but there's um, a way to frame how you think about your own experience that can be very helpful. And so uh, I remember writing a little preamble saying this is all coming from love and recognizing that everyone's experience is so different with this stuff. And every every addiction is so different, right? Some of them are, are really almost purely biological once you get hooked on something and some of them are very emotional you know repetitive trauma that's repeating i guess i'll I'll ask you the open question about what is addiction to you sean how do you define addiction well you know what i just talked about really made me reflect on that question and because i it when you think about trying to talk to thousands of people about the same topic and recognizing everyone has a different experience of that It was what made me realize and put that disclaimer of, you know, on every, on any given day, life is harder for some of us than it is for others, right? Each of our circumstances is changing. And so really holding any judgment about definitions around that very softly, I think is important, especially when you're working with someone who's struggling with it. Because, you know, back to what we were talking about before, it is actually, I think, the listening on both sides that's probably the biggest agent of change there. 
So I'm not trying to evade your question. I just don't know that there's really a great definition there. You could say biologically there's probably something you could identify in what's happening in the brain that's creating this a repetitive impulse. So that's one, you know, one way to think about it. But um you know, maybe maybe on the other side of the spectrum is just this expression of a yearning for peace that's somehow getting, you know, sidetracked. Because I think, you know, for us, to me, our, one of our very root instincts is is silence, is to find silence and peace. And so um, along that pathway, there are all these distractions. And so maybe maybe all of life is an addiction until you find your way to... Mm-hmm. to in peace. Mm, wow. Ah, that's an interesting answer. Right. Yeah, I'd like to think about that with wow. you. I don't know. I haven't yeah. really thought of it that way, but it's, um, I think there's merit to it. Yeah, that's a very, I mean, to me, you just kind of paused me here for a moment. Life itself being an addictive kind of experience. Yes, from my spiritual point of view, I would say so. Yes, the obsession with experience mm-hmm. has gotten us to really, um, let's say, navigate through this and in this meaning everything, uh, pain, pleasure, joy, sadness, the, all the opposites and everything that exists in terms of experience. So mm-hmm. that makes so much sense from that perspective. But that might be too abstract for, for most of us, it's right? Very, yeah, I think <laughs> to you're think right. about it's very abstract. It, but... You know, one way to bring it to earth a little bit might be to say that most of us, maybe all of us, you could say, have a thinking addiction. Mm, for sure, for Not sure. Not able to just naturally turn it off. And yes. so by definition, the, yes. there's this sort of repetitive thing going on. And then within that, you might be able to categorize what your particular patterns are. But thinking addiction, I don't know. It's hard to know if it's more than a thousand years ago. <laughs> it feels <laughs> yes. like it is to us, right? <laughs> True, it does. Yeah, I love what you said us about the longing for peace, for inner peace, or for happiness, right? Trying to find happiness or inner peace out there or somewhere. And then we tend to obsess and fixate on things. Yeah, that also resonates true. Yeah, I used to think about this idea that we we are each born out of silence, presumably, as far as we know, and then we fade in the silence eventually. And I think that's a really interesting idea because that means maybe the journey of your life is into noise and then back into silence. And so the spiritual journey, I think, can be conceived that way of finding silence increasingly you know, these are all words that people think of differently, but I, I think of silence a lot like listening and a lot like presence, basically. So I think there's a lot of overlap there. And so for me, this, the, um, experience of learning to find silence through listening is really powerful in terms of dealing with the challenges we're talking about, the addictions of thought, the addictions of everything else. Um, and that's why I love shifting because you, once you know, I found this in my own experience. I was really having trouble sleeping overnight, um, waking up with stress and anxiety about, you know, I got to get up in the morning and not prepared and all of the things that so many of us go through at some point. This was right after graduate school. You know, you're becoming a psychologist, got all your debt and you're trying to figure out, you know, you're supposed to help people. So I was, I was struggling with it then. And that's when I developed a shift, a sleep shift for myself. As I said, Oh, I need to figure out how to uh, approach this in a reliable way. And so that was what taught me that once I found a shift, which is basically a script that I could take myself through for five minutes when I would wake up to get myself back into, if not a sleep, but at least a peaceful, quiet, silent place where I was getting rest. And then I saw, oh, this works for me every time I do it. And after that, I knew I'm only five minutes from peace no matter what anytime. Mm-hmm. And I think it was that insight. And when I work with patients, it's when someone knows that they're only a few minutes away from a better place, I call it a better state of mind, anytime, that particular piece of personal knowledge is so powerful 
because it makes every time you have a difficult experience very different all of a sudden. So because we are on the this subject of shifting how it works. So can you explain a little bit a little bit more how it works, Sean? <laughs> okay. So this is um the, I talked about one origin, right? That was a sort of a personal origin. But really, the concept for me comes from if I've been a psychotherapist for a long time. And so you, every time you start a session in psychotherapy, you have a person coming into space with you and you're trying to do your best to be supportive of them. And they have, you know, some history. They might have a diagnosis and you might have a treatment plan of what you're trying to accomplish. But what happens in the first five minutes is probably the first five minutes of what happened with us, that we connect around what's important and we spend five minutes coming into presence together almost naturally because of the intention of what we're doing. And then uh, from that place, we can work on whatever it is if we decide we, we have a different intention. And I realized that, you know, 10, 20 years of doing therapy every single time this for five minutes was that experience in that the real core skill, it seemed to me, was being able to bring yourself into that state so that you could address whatever was going on with you the rest of your day or the next thing in your day or the current moment. This is, I think, in a lot of ways where shifting grew out of. Um, and then what it became is was a very intentional thing. I mentioned before sort of the definition of a shift, which is it's just a short experience that guides you into a better state of mind anytime. And then, then as I, um, you know, progress developing them, you see there's very common themes and progression each time you try to do this. It can vary, but you're going to say, you know, you're going to take a long deep breath to get started and you're going to set an intention for what you're doing over the next five minutes. My focus is going to be on shifting myself into a better state of mind. And then we're going to do some listening to life. And I think maybe the most important component of this is as you do any of these experiences, noticing what's shifting, for lack of a better word, internally. So even I love to start by saying, you know, let's take a long, deep breath and notice the change physiologically, the physical, the feeling state change that occurs. And if you can notice that, I call it a mini shift because it's going to be small. But it, the core skill of all this is noticing those mini shifts because if you can do that, they add up to major shifts. It's a matter of listening, setting an intention. You know, we talked about if it's for addiction, you're going to focus on that. If it's for motivation, you're going to focus on, on the ways that you get your body prepared to do something. So the content's a little bit different, but the structure, those core elements I talked about, including towards the end, you're going to think about, well, what is the next part of my day? I'm going to set the intention to be present for it. There are common themes. And what I've found is that actually it's so comforting to have common themes because they become mantras in a way. You know, for me, take a long deep breath is now just a sound that brings me into peace. Um, you know, a, a collection of sounds. And so I think, you know, ultimately that's what a shift becomes is your, and, and I'll say while we're talking about it, in the One Perfect Shift app, you learn to record your own shifts so that you're speaking in your own voice and you're listening to your own voice and you're able to actually speak yourself, which I think is really the core skill. Speaking yourself or speaking someone else into a better state, it means that you really have a firm grasp on how to do it. And it's not that hard. Like 90% of people over the last four years that take a one-question survey at the end of a shift report that they shifted toward where they were trying to shift to. So it's fairly natural for people. Right. To, to change perspective, to shift, as you say. It's so true. Yeah, with the right content. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the way you say it, um, listening to life. That's, it's putting us in that state of listening to ourselves and that, mm. ah, that changed everything. Yeah. That has, yeah. has been my experience. The shift um, therapy can be found which on your website, which is oneperfect.com. Can they also be found through um, Apple, like um, the apps? Yeah, Apple? yeah. So actually, just a little bit of a distinction here. So oneperfect.com that you just mentioned is the website where organizations who subscribe to shifts, 
go and learn about and they can test ships. And then OnePerfectShip.com, if you're an individual or you're interested in trying ships for free and all of that, is where you would go to begin to learn. And then from OnePerfectShip.com, you can link to the apps to get those personalized shift experiences. And um, I mentioned learn to shift yourself and to speak your own shifts. And then you can actually record them and share them with others and build sort of community around what you like and what works for you. And then shift therapy actually is the next phase of what we're doing. So that's One Perfect Shift. One Perfect Shift is the apps in the App Store and then also on Android. But the next phase of this is that we're adding what we call shift therapists into the app so that if you came in and you say, I'm feeling lonely or sad and I want to get a shift, that a trained shift therapist who resonated with you, you would pick, you know, like you're picking your Uber driver, you'd look at the reviews and you would pick someone that you wanted to get a shift from and they would show up live and they would shift you based on the shifts that we know work for what you're looking for right then and these are they don't have to be a mental health professionals there this is a peer-to-peer network of people who are really good at connecting with others and um you know we see that they'll get ratings and if they have a five-star ratings it means that they're great at shifting you so that's the future and and really the reason i'm doing a lot of these kind of talks and interviews and meeting people is to recruit those folks so if anyone thinks they might like to do that to me, my my fantasy is that we'll all realize that dedicating or volunteering or even getting paid for 10 minutes a week to shift someone else is gives you incredible personal benefits. Connecting with someone, teaching them, practicing yourself, it all is of a piece. So if you're interested in that, we'll get more information on those websites we mentioned. That sounds like a wonderful vision, Sean. So we just help each other. And to me, that's what this experience is all about. Yeah. And, you know, what's not obvious to people is that the person that's doing the helping is often getting more value than the person who's getting helped. Um, In this case, we know the person who's getting helped is getting a lot of value because we're seeing they're learning to shift. But really, that feeling state of giving something of yourself and giving something that you're good at doing, uh, sharing that. I mean, this is my favorite thing of being a therapist is, you know, it's a rare, it's a rare profession where you just get, you know, people say afterwards how helpful it was and thank you. And it's very, it's very personally rewarding. Yes. It sounds almost like, I mean, might be having a purpose. Would you call it a purpose or something similar? I think if you felt like it really resonated with you, it could definitely grow into that. I don't know if you're making a comment on the purpose work that I I wrote a book called Be Your Purpose, and that was very much about listening and all of the things we've talked about, presence. So I think for me, it's um, the work, it's a reminder and a return to purpose every time I do it. So I think about purpose as as coming into presence and listening for that next step of your your personal unique journey that you really only can become aware of by listening closely and feeling for that next step. That's true. Would you say that that's the, also the purpose of the human experience as a whole? Well, I love that. What we were talking about before of, you know, a journey to silence and listening is very much like that, right? So, I mean... Remember the, uh, who is the, I'm going to give you an obscure reference here. Remember the, was it the grandmother in the Matrix who was baking the cookie? She oh, was the, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, she, to me, she's a model. She's like a beautiful listener, but just full of wisdom also. Yeah. Not the wisdom keeper. Yeah. She had a name. She was the Oracle. Yes. Right. The Oracle. Yeah. Yes. She's the Oracle. Yes. Yes. So maybe, yes, maybe all of our purpose (laughs) is to become the oracle at the end. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And um, that sounds very spiritual to me in in, in a way. And we talked briefly off record about spirituality and science. The work you do, is that um, uh, connected or deeply informed by spirituality? Oh, I think 100%. Yeah. For me, and probably for most people who get into psychology, I talked about that difficult emotional life event. And of course, that wasn't the only one. 
and it, it's through those events of suffering that you realize <laughs> that there is this suffering in life and that the spiritual dimension is the only dimension that has something to say about it ultimately. And then, uh, you know, I think about psychology and the tools of science as maybe our are some of our best approaches to translating spirituality in a shared language, maybe a shared process. So I think of it a lot that way. There was, um, and I learned a lot from going to, what was it called? Mindfulness-based stress reduction training. And that was at the um, University of Massachusetts Medical School where John Kabat-Zinn started, founded his work. And really what that work was, was taking the spirituality of Buddhism largely and stripping away spirituality so that he could try to evaluate scientifically what are the pieces of this that can be reliably shared to have certain effects. And so that to me is really the model of how you can, you know, reverse engineer from spirituality into some of these processes. But ultimately <laughs> you return to spirituality, I think. For your peace. Yeah, as you said, off record, that it, it's one and the same, isn't it? Spirituality and science. Looking, Different words, yeah. Yeah, trying to find what the truth, the nature of reality is. Yeah. Is, right? Yeah. What is true yeah. here? And the tricky thing is that, you know, we use words, we all use the same words differently, slightly differently, even, right? The same God has a different meaning to everyone who shares that God, for example. So I think what science tries to do is say, okay, we're going to define words. So at least we have the same language. So it has a certain amount of power and usefulness. But then again, the mystery is actually where the power is. Ah, the mystery, the unknown. The unknown um, yeah. That would be amazing if we kind of lived in presence. I kind of reframe using the word now or the moment because that implies time, past and future. Mm -hmm. And I, I really don't see that as um, uh, real because yeah. it's, it's a mental construct. Oh, we, even now. I like yes. having that. That's so it because, you know, I love I, the power of now. Yes. I totally understand what you're saying. You yeah, do? that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Because <laughs> then I accept the idea that time exists and I don't see this as this experience. You should have just been the time. power of blank, I guess. Ah, uh -huh, yes. Oh, actually, <laughs> Present sounds really good because it doesn't imply time or space. It's just present. Mm. But who knows where and how and and yeah. there's no. It's just very open. That's yeah. I guess what and I listening. Love. We like we mm. like listening together too. I think. Yes. That's yeah. A, that's why I love yeah. this. It's I love yeah. talking <laughs> like this because it really yeah. does bring you into it. You're kind of we're we're zeroing in on the target which always ends up being presence and then yes. we're playing with it somehow we're playing from it right exactly always yeah here in the in the spaceless here right mm -hmm. so we're almost at the end sean but i okay. do have uh, another i made a lot of notes here so i have a question that i wanted to ask you earlier i guess it was yeah. planned to ask earlier so you say there's a quote here from you mental health is not only a part of of overall health, it is the most important part. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that. So yeah. that caught my attention in the sense of um, uh, what is mental health? How do you, not defined, but what is to be mentally healthy? Would you say that mental health is a dynamic process? It's always changing. Yeah, I actually do think of it as a definition. <laughs> And you won't be surprised to hear that I think of it as I would say a measure, let's say a measure of your mental health is your capacity to shift into mm. a better state of mind when you choose to. Mm. If ah. you're um, not able to do that, then you're going to be stewing in, in emotions that are, you know, outside your control, like a lot of life is. And once you know you're able to do that, then you have a lot more, uh, let's say, mental fitness, mental wellness, mental health. So that's how through this um, this work I've come to think of it. It's constructive for me to talk about it that way. Yeah, that, that it also, I think, gives you a sense that you really can take some control through certain practices of your mental health. And it's not to say it's, it's easy by any stretch, but for me, it became five minutes in the morning of shifting into a better state. And I found that when you do that habitually, 
if you wake up on the wrong side of bed, uh-huh, it yes. changes your day completely. You know, yeah. even if you're well, feeling good, it amplifies it, and then it really does carry forward and changes the trajectory of your day. So there are things you can do to support your your own mental health. Mm, yes, that's a wonderful, insightful definition. I didn't expect you to say yeah, define mm. it that way. So yeah, the ability of to change, to shift our yeah. mental state at any moment. That's powerful. Wow, that's to me the definition of power, of true power. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, hopefully we can spread that idea. This has been a total surprise to me, to be honest with you. As a psychologist, the idea that 90% of people could shift into a much better place in five minutes is just not the way that you're trained. Um, you know, the concept of therapy or coaching is uh, a certain number of sessions through which you improve over a period of time. And that has like incredible power and merit, I think, as a separate thing. But it does, I think, obscure the idea that you also are only a few minutes away at any time from a better place. And coming back to that better place is the mechanism through which you're going to work on your mental health. So they, they really do tie together. And, you know, I, I like to, when I'm talking about this, remind people that you even mentioned this earlier, you might shift for five minutes and get into a better place. And then a minute later, you're back ruminating on uh-huh, <laughs> the thing yes. you were thinking about, right? <laughs> yeah. We, that happens to all of us. But still, the power of having done that one more rep, one more rep is having a real impact on how long that piece sustains so don't get discouraged. You know, just like in meditation, we're constantly getting distracted. It's very normal. Yes. And the power is, it really relies in coming back, always knowing how to return to yes. the peaceful state, the silent Remembering stage. that that is your intention, is to listen again, listen again. Mm. What a beautiful yeah. idea, work and vision and service to humanity. Thank, Thank you, you so much, it. John. <laughs> it's so nice to talk to you. Yeah. I know it took a long time for us to get together on this. I know you're busy and I am too. So I'm so glad we did it. Well, here we are. Uh, right in, in the timeless here, <laughs> right. as I'd like to say. Never mind how long it took. It doesn't even exist, I right. guess, by yeah. your model. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things that has worked for me a lot within that shift, that moving the mind into not to just let go of the past, done and forgotten and always. Not even thinking about the future, but just being present. Perfect. Yeah. And I know that takes tons of shifts. <laughs> and it takes has a been, lot of shifts. And then, it does. Yeah, and then you get better and then maybe you get worse and you have to do some more and yes. it's life. Right? It's, it's the dance but I for think sure. about it as a lifestyle and that's why I love this idea mm. of becoming a shift therapist. I think of myself as, by the way, the original shift therapist. So I'm not just suggesting it to people. This is for me a lifestyle that's been so profound. And um, as we talked about a little bit before, I'm sure for you too, the more that you spend your intention and focus on this kind of thing, the, the richer the experience becomes for you. So it's it's just such a great life journey. Yes. Yeah. That's another beautiful suggestion about making a, it a lifestyle, not just a destination, a place to arrive and stay. That has been my one of my humble understandings that I was always looking for a destination, a happy place to to stay and never yeah. leave, but it doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, yeah. And not unfortunately or sadly, it's just how it is, right? This is how this reality really operates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a little bit connected to what we talked about early on, where we're, we're wired to keep an eye out for what is next and what might be threatening. And so there is sort of a, whatever, a time-bound orientation there. But uh, the peace does seem to come in the moments of presence and silence and and making uh, making a life of that is doable. We see it. We see it. And then we know, at least if you do, if you've done this for a while, you come to know personally that you improve at it. And so it's very self-perpetuating practices. Ah, you're not just the messenger of of this, what which we speak of, but um, you come across very much as the message itself. I can oh, hear okay. in your voice and the way you speak about these things. Very genuine, very pleasant, <laughs> uh, very Thank peaceful. Yes. I'm trying to take a nice compliment, <laughs> but I can't help but think of those old commercials of the hair club for men. You know, when he said, I'm not just the president, I'm a customer. 
and he was a bald guy that then got hair from his own company. Oh gosh, yeah. I don't. <laughs> if, yeah, if any of yeah. your listeners that remember that, hopefully, we'll get a giggle out of that. <laughs> that can relate to what we just said here, right? Yes. Uh, thank you so much, Sean, for your presence. It's truly beautiful, and I love your work and your vision and everything about it. It's just, um, well, to me, from my perspective, highly spiritual in the sense oh. of finding what the truth is and in, in that sense of peace. That's what we are looking for, all of us. Humans. Thank you so much. You're making me blush here. You can, if you could <laughs> see me and I'm going to return the compliment. I love your work too and all of the episodes that you've done and the special people that have come on to share their wisdom. So we're all in this together. Yes, yes. Uh, I definitely would say so. Yes, all the people that I that come to this platform, yes, we are sharing the same vision. Mm. So the ending questions, let me see. But before I ask you uh, this final question, Sean, is there anything else that you left unsaid that we we forgot to talk about for some reason? Mm. I don't think so. I think we got, I think for me, we got everything. I'll do another just mention of, you know, become a shift therapist if you're interested. We're trying to build that out now. And I think, you know, given how much sadness and loneliness there is in the world, getting people uh, live, helping other people is really going to be important. Yes. And I'll have those links on your podcast profile and also uh, mentioned the specific calling for those who are interested to join your platform oh, great. as well. What three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? Mm. I think I'm going to take the easy way on this one, Valeria, and say silence, silence, and silence. Mm, yeah. Not so easy for most of <laughs> us. That's not, not easy at all, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so simple, right? Just say Peace, silence. silence, presence. We talked about they all overlap. Maybe those are the three. Yeah. I found, uh, and I agree with you, but the... Um, instruction that helped me the most with that is take a hundred percent of your attention and just listen to life listen to all of those things for 10 seconds that you otherwise wouldn't hear and we can do that together if you would like but what i was really trying to get at is that if you do that at any moment you're going to notice that shift in the silence that shift into presence just from putting a hundred percent of your attention focusing on listening to life that's such a, I mean, I can't help it, but say beautiful again. <laughs> it's active, you know, that. that's why it helped me is because it's actually yeah. doing something that is in a way doing nothing. <laughs> the question that comes to mind is what it takes for us to engage with these practices, profound um, practices that can help us to live a peaceful life besides suffering, because a lot of times, as right. in my case too, suffering so much to get to understand these um, yeah. these concepts, that they are very practical and very real. Yeah, it's such a profound question and we've really grappled with it. You know, my first answer was the same as yours, is suffering is what brings most people to start to look at it. But the real question becomes, what builds that habit or that lifestyle? And what we found, at least in the work that we're doing at One Perfect, is that if we send um, an email of a shift to people's inbox a couple times a week, then it's the easiest way that we've found where people just can open up in their private inbox a shift and they can read through it or they can listen to it. And we found that 50% of people that subscribe are, are reading those every week. And so that's a way to build a habit that I haven't seen before. Um, and I think it's a very tricky habit to build because you do it for a while and then you get distracted, even if it's only five or 10 minutes. But um, that's what keeps me, you know, that and then also creating the shifts, obviously, that, that keeps me returning to it. So I tried to build all of that into what we do here. So it is sufferings one, but then also there is desire to change, to expand, to know more of of ourselves, mm -hmm. of who we are. It might be that too, because I I, I know my uh, this longing per se came to me when I was very young uh, as a child, and it, it never left me. 
Sometimes I ask that question too. Is that something that we all have, this longing for peace, even if we are not suffering? (laughs) I think so, yeah. I think we talked a little earlier. To me, this is probably the fundamental instinct that you never see getting talked about. But I think it is this instinct to return to silence, to quiet, to peace, whatever your word is for it is really where we're trying to head through love and through pain and through all of the achievement-oriented ambitions that we have. I think the root of it is a return to that peaceful silence. That's true. And that's, as you said before, and it is by listening to life that we can be in touch with that again, with that longing again. Yeah, and that to me has become so self-perpetuating because it really, when you do it for a little while, it feels so good and it's so immediate. It's a, it's a really quick reward you can get by taking a long, deep breath and just listening for 10 seconds. Yes. Oh, my God. What a beautiful idea. So in, in service again to humanity. Thank you so much again, Sean. And before we say goodbye for today, again, where is the best place or the best places to find um, One Perfect online? Well, thank you again, Valeria. This has been really fun. And yes, oneperfectshift.com, all spelled out, O-N-E, perfectshift.com. And you subscribe there and you'll start to get free weekly shifts and decide how much you want to engage from there. But that's, I think, the easiest way. Yes, so oneperfectshift.com. I'll have that one. Yes, Thank you so much again and we'll talk soon. Bye for now, Sean. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Sean Sullivan and his work, please visit OnePerfectShift.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.